Welcome to this BGSM podcast. I'm Stefan Griffin, a member of the BGSM editorial team and a junior doctor working at Chelsea and Westminster Hospital in London. I'm thrilled to be joined again by someone who's been on the podcast before, just over a year ago, Dr. Andrew Murray. So Andrew is probably best known for his work promoting physical activity for health. Um, and among various fantastic um, challenges he's done, he's run over 4,000 kilometers to the Sahara Desert in the past. He's currently the chief medical officer for the PGA European Tour, the European Tour Performance Institute, and, the, and Ryder Cup Europe, and is a sport and exercise medicine consultant based in Edinburgh, Scotland. He's the lead author on the International Consensus on Golf and Health, which was published recently in BGSM, and we're really going to use the next 15, 20 minutes to discuss this. So welcome back to the podcast, Andrew. Thank you. Great to be on, Steph. Fab. So I think it was about a year ago that we recorded the last podcast. So um, do you want to tell us, well, I think that podcast had about seven, 8,000 listeners. So for those people listening again, um, tell us what you've been up to recently. It's been a great year. I've had the opportunity to help support the Global Action Plan on Physical Activity, which was launched by the World Health Organization and Dr. Tedros, their, you know, their, their leader. So it's fantastic to support Fiona Bull and the work to get more people more active more often. And I'd urge everyone to listen to that podcast and also to look for the Global Action Plan on Physical Activity and support that as you're able. Shortly after that, in Scotland, we launched the National Action Plan on Physical Activity, launched by the Minister for Public Health and Sport, Mr Fitzpatrick. Again, some really concrete actions that can lead to more people being more active more often. And I guess that's a big thing for the next year is to continue to support these sort of global and international uh, initiatives, doing stuff in Scotland. And also, I've taken over from Dr Roger Hawkes as the Chief Medical Officer for the European Tour, and continue to work clinically with our golfers and our athletes. There are 700 professional golfers we look after, and also conducting a PhD looking at golf and health and working on the international consensus on golf and health. You've mentioned the, the recent consensus statements already. Um, for some of our listeners, because obviously BGSM publishes these quite, sort of quite a lot, it's, it's often quite nice to get a bit of an insight into how these are, are created and how, the, how you sort of gain a consensus. Um, would you be able to just sort of chat us through that at all? Absolutely. So we published in 2016 in BJSM a scoping review looking at golf and health that looked at all of the information out there, what the literature supports based on the best available evidence, and also what further research is needed. And for this consensus, it's about taking that information, updating the search strategy, but then also working out what are the concrete actions that can help golfers, that can help the golf industry and policymakers and politicians improve health through golf and other forms of physical activity. There was the recognition that there is much scientific literature on golf and health, that golf can provide moderate intensity physical activity across the lifespan, along with social connections, fresh air and the rest of it. A group looked at all of the evidence out there at present and then worked with 25 experts from five continents who collaborated to produce a consensus in golf and health. And these were experts in public health, in policy, scientists, members of the golf industry, because again, it was really important to make sure it's scientifically robust. Also, the actions can actually get uptaken. So it was important to involve policymakers, scientists, and also the golf industry themselves. And the Delphi process um, used three surveys and produced 100% response rate. So it was great that all of the people we invited were able to take part and to add value and contribute. And at the end of that process, there was 97% agreement on the 83 statements to be included. And that formed the resulting international consensus on golf and health. And that's available on BGSM. And we've produced the 
the data paper along with some assets and some infographics, this podcast and some videos also to support that. And again, the videos have been done with public health leaders, members of the golf industry, but also we have some athlete ambassadors, so players that have got 25 major championships between them, world number ones, etc. Because I guess what we're trying to do is not only to highlight some of the benefits of golf, but also to work out what the sort of things that can cause issues in golf, like skin cancer, and make sure that there are concrete actions there that we can suggest to golfers and industry to decrease that. Also, really, the most important thing, I think, was to align to the Global Action Plan on Physical Activity and the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals and work out what the contribution of golf could be to that wider policy. And really just shows um, have one sport showing some leadership on that. And it's been great working with the World Golf Foundation, the RNA, and the major constituent bodies in golf, which are the equivalent you know, of FIFA and football, for example. Fab. So that sounds like a really interesting piece of work. And as always, we'll provide the links to that in the, um, in the blurb to this podcast. Um, in terms of, uh, for those that have read the, who read the, uh, the 2016 piece of work that you and the likes of Dr. Hawkes created, are there, is there anything new from, the, um, from this consensus statement, sort of from a clinical point of view, that people, um, that people might be able to use in a clinical setting to advocate golf as a sort of a, a health activity? Well, a lot of our athlete ambassadors, so Gary Player, you know, who's 83 years young, and it's just all about promoting physical activity in general. He says he's got it through golf, but you know, find something, go and get active and do it your own way. In terms of golf, we know it is a moderate intensity physical activity across the lifespan. There are some likely strength and balance benefits for older adults in particular, and perhaps for adults of all ages. Um, golf is associated with increased longevity, and that's based on studies that have corrected for socioeconomic factors, and obviously further cause and effect studies are required. But there are also a range of physical health benefits that people can get in terms of body composition, cholesterol, um, sugar levels, etc. And it appears to be good for the brain in terms of improving self-efficacy, and motivation and factors like that. There is some good ongoing work on dementia, but further research is required on mental health and various other factors as well. Golf is also a moderate risk for injury. And if you compare it per hour played, then it's at low risk, but the overall instance of injury per year is moderate. And golfers are likely at slightly higher risk of skin cancer. So there are some things that can be done about that. So it's establishing these um, statements but then also what are the actual things that people can do and again we're keen to take inspiration from others that have really through their consensus processes really produced some engaging materials in terms of infographics podcasts videos people like Karim Khan and Adam Weir have been very supportive in that sort of process but it's been great to see some fantastic consensuses looking at femoral acetabular impingement ankle injuries um, pain and stuff like that. So we've taken inspiration for that. And we've also noted the, the sort of power of the BGSM social media. So if people are doing uh, studies and publishing with BGSM, that's a big advantage we've found is being able to um, try and share that widely. And I guess the key actions look at three things. The first is what can the, the average golfer do to improve their own health through golf? Um, what can the golf industry do to maximize the health benefits of golf? And what are the key actions for policymakers and decision makers to increase physical activity, to increase golf, and to align to these sort of policies? Absolutely. I think a lot of BGSM listeners and readers will be familiar with the work of people like Christian Barton in Australia, uh, James O'Brien, who really sort of um, go into, into depth about the whole knowledge translation issue. Um, I know the Christian and his group down in Melbourne have proposed a few other steps, sort of a multimedia creation and media dissemination. 
How have you embraced that? Any tips for people working in other sports? And I think what Christian and his colleagues proposed was a model which may help improve knowledge translation. Because I guess it's tempting as researchers to spend all of our time doing the research itself and then trying to find a suitable journal to publish things in. So we spend a lot of time sort of developing the design, completing the research, analysing the results, you know, writing the manuscripts, submitting it, going through peer review, finalising the paper. But I think what Christian and his colleagues highlighted are some real opportunities and some novel steps. So if you take the traditional steps as research completion and then publishing it in a journal, creating some digital assets, so multimedia creation in terms of spending some time creating blogs, infographics, videos, and podcasts have been really, really rewarding, particularly if we're looking to disseminate it. And again, you know, dissemination strategies can be to try and share it via Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, journal websites, and others. So I think that we've really embraced that and recognized the quality of that model and tried to make hay with it. And it applies much more widely. I'm an ambassador for NHS Inform, which is the, the website in Scotland that we get information out to the general public. Just by taking the same information, but making it bite size and making it attractive, video form, an infographic form, it's experienced a 10,000% increase in the hit rate. So I think you know, the likes of Chris and others are leaders in this sort of knowledge translation. Yeah, I can imagine a 10,000% uh, hit rate is not a, not a bad outcome. For a fairly minimal effort, you can get a huge amount of value. And I think that's it. You know, I mean, if you've got a good cow, then keep on milking it. I think that a lot of people spend all of the time actually producing the research itself with fairly minimal effort. More can be made of it. And I think that's the thing. I mean, it can either be done by the primary researcher. So it might be the sort of model of, say, golf, that one person hits the drive, one person hits the iron and sinks the putt. Or it can be a team approach, so it can be that you have people doing the research yourself. And then it might be the same people, or it could be different people perform different tasks. So if you think about football, not everyone's a goalkeeper, not everyone's a defender, not everyone's scoring the goals. So it might be that someone's got the role of conducting the research, another person's helping out with actually creating these assets, and a different person is also then helping share them widely. I find that really rewarding, is just sitting and chatting with a uh, other researchers in our department and further afield who can perform each role and how we can maximise the value of the knowledge in the paper we've got. And I think that was the big thing from the scoping review is it picked up you know, more than 100 bits of press attention um, in terms of TV mainstream in North America and Europe and also radio and also um, generating a fairly decent altimetric. And I think that that was purely because we produced infographics, we produced podcasts, we produced lots of videos, and hopefully it was just reaching out to people and work out um, how we could together share this sort of information and establish what we did know about golf and health, uh, because there's a lot of information out there at present and it's trying to distill it into a manageable form. And I think with the consensus, it'll be similar. There's so much information out there that we're kind of keen to work out, you know, what are the concrete things that we can do to increase physical activity? What are the concrete things that golfers can do to make them healthier and happier? What can the industry do to maximise the health benefits of golf? And what can policymakers do to support this? And I guess, I mean, if you look at it, just for some key actions, I mean, golfers can play regularly. They can aim to play golf or other forms of physical activity at least 150 minutes a week, helping, you know, you meet the global actions. You can walk the course as opposed to riding a golf cart, if able. You can do some aerobic exercise, some stretching and mobility for about seven minutes because that can take shots off your score and can also decrease the risk of injury. Certainly, I think helping other people to feel welcome and encouraging other people to play golf or take part in other physical activities is important. It's important to protect your skin using sunscreen, appropriate clothing, collared shirts, avoiding excessive exposure 
to direct sunlight. We also know that appropriate strength and conditioning exercises can help. So again, I work in performance golf, so there's lots of things that we know that can help the professionals, but can also help performance and reduce injury risk for, for non-professional golfers. And again, there's also various uh, safety guidelines to be followed. So there, you know, some of, the, some of the quick tips that we'd have for those that are looking to play golf or already play golf. And similarly, there's similar lists and similar actions for the golf industry and facilities and for policymakers that can help. And some of these, for example, if you think from a policy perspective, we can all promote the benefits of regular physical activity and we can communicate and promote this regularly for people of all ages, genders and backgrounds. I think, you know, policy can support play and golf by diverse geographical and socioeconomic participants trying to give everyone the opportunity to take part in physical activity. And again, you know, another key thing nowadays is multifunctionality. So not only could it be a golf course, but people could walk. There may be creches, there might be gym facilities and just different things. It can be supported not only by the facilities, but also by the policymakers. And I guess, you know, another key thing is, um, having met in the last couple of weeks with the Minister for Public Health down south and the Minister for Public Health in Scotland, is that we've got a unique opportunity to promote physical activity, you know, through these sort of cross-sectoral policies linked to the Global Action Plan, linked to every, everybody active every day down south and up here, our national plan. So I think that in general, the Global Action Plan is a huge opportunity for us to tangibly get an increase of 15% over the next while in physical activities worldwide. And there are some, some actions within that that we can all promote and share. And the golf industry has got a, a part to play in, in promoting physical activity and taking action on it. Well, I think it's fair to say that you... That- you, yourself and the and the, gr- and the group in, in Edinburgh um, and the European Tour have been sort of leaders in the field when it's come to trying to sort of use sport as a way of increasing physical activity. Um, and then from a research point of view, I think it's fair to say that you guys are sort of amongst the leaders uh, when it comes to sort of demonstrating how to sort of improve knowledge translation. So I think you guys, and again, I think I know you'll put it out via social media, but I'll just highlight to listeners that we'll pop everything in the blurb as well because. I mean, it'll take a little, little bit of time to get it all together because you've done so much. But um, I think they're just valuable, whether you know, you're looking at them from a, uh, from a clinical point of view, uh, from a practical point of view, or whether you just want to see the type of things that, you know, that, that people are producing to improve knowledge translation. I think you guys are, um, are very much leaders in that field. Um, well, you're very kind, Steph. But again, we're, we're just basically borrowing other people's ideas. But if people are able to share the Global Action Plan or if people are able to share the international consensus on golf and health, uh, we'd be really grateful and we hope it can make a bit of a difference. Yeah, fab. And from a, an anecdotal point of view, I know that you're obviously extremely interested in physical activity. I know one of your um, passions and you did a lot of work in trying to sort of get spectators at golf events active. Um, I know from sort of having worked with you in the past and sort of the initial pilot work you were doing up in Scotland, um, but I couldn't help notice at the, at the Open uh, last week, there was a sort of fantastic sort of um, signs and sort of, um, sort of pieces of, of, of signposting, really trying to sort of advocate that on quite a grand scale. How, how has that developed over the last year? You're right. So at tournaments in the last year, we've tried to engage the leaders in golf and the big tournaments to promote physical activity. So the signs all over the course at the Open Championship, the Ryder Cup, the Women's British Open, European Tour events that promote physical activity. Did you know that walking 30 minutes five times a week can increase length of life, can lead to health and happiness? Letting people know that if they walk the course, they can not only watch some great action at close quarters and see what their heroes are up against, but also get, on average, 11,500 steps, which is pretty good. And almost a call to action. So if 
you know, prominent golfers are urging people to be more active more often. It might be a teachable moment and people may take more, more notice of that than their doctor, for example. Or at least we're just getting different people to communicate the same messages. So we're promoting golf, but we're also just more widely promoting physical activity. And it's great that the big tournaments like the Open, the Ryder Cup, uh, etc., have been able to do that. I think that's the thing as well. I mean, I guess if you're to produce legacy of events, it's difficult. And I guess trying to engage people in playing football or playing judo and things like that from football world cups or from Olympic games is fantastic. And these sports are great and I've been delighted to be involved in them, but if we can make it really tangible so folk can sit less and move more, if they can walk, if they can take the stairs around the lift, if we're getting these sort of messages across at these major events, then that could be helpful also. Yeah, absolutely. And I look forward to hopefully seeing it. So the next few major championships, big sporting events around the world, seeing uh, how they sort of adopt and, and follow your lead really. Um, and Andrew, you mentioned earlier that you've taken over from um, Dr. Roger Hawkes as Chief Medical Officer for the European Tour. Um, how has this been for you and sort of what, what are the sort of the medical priorities that you've got within golf at the moment? Well, a big thing for me in terms of developing as a sports and exercise medicine physician and also researchers mentorship. So I've had a lot of brilliant people look after me from a research perspective, like Professor Annette Moutry and Professor Liz Grant. Um, and Roger has been a fantastic mentor in terms of just knowledge relating to physical activity, knowledge relating to golf. Um, it was him that got me into this sort of stuff, so I've spent a fair bit of time learning from him. And I guess we're looking to work with the golf industry to promote physical activity, but my clinical role is as Chief Medical Officer. I look after uh, medical operations. We also look after performance, nutrition, and sports science with our colleagues uh, David Dunn and Prof Graham Close that I know have contributed to podcasts previously. And it's a fantastic team we have and we work really closely with our physiotherapy and S&C colleagues. And it's about a performance approach because people might think that golfers just walk up on the first tee, hit the ball around for five hours and then go home. But there's far more to it than that. I think the difference between first and you know, 27th at tournaments earlier this year was less than 1%. So you can see what is it that gives these golfers that extra 1%. And the modern day professional will get up, they'll spend a fair bit of time, uh, depending on their tea time, getting ready for that day. They'll have a nutritious breakfast that tends to have some protein and carbohydrate and some stuff that's good for immune function. They'll then tend to do their warm-up in terms of some uh, aerobics and flexibility, um, maybe some strength work, and then head off to the the driving range to hit some balls before hitting their chips and putts. They'll then play their golf. They may well then do some physical preparation, strength and conditioning and recovery work. They'll also be thinking about what to eat in the course, what to do from a recovery perspective. So there's a lot of sports science that goes into it because these guys are highly itinerant. If you think about the European tour, then our schedule, for example, one month might look like China, South Africa, Turkey, Dubai. Uh, before coming back to Europe. So these guys are absolutely all over the place. So we're looking to support them in four ways. The first is to help them perform and be at their best. So looking at issues relating to sleep, jet lag, how to get people to be at their best when Thursday comes and the tournament starts. It's also about helping to prevent and treat illness. So looking at the basics like hand sanitizer, vitamin D levels, things that can help decrease illness. Um, and then also treating these exceptionally well when they occur in terms of hay fever, asthma. We've got a number of players with other medical illnesses. Injuries, again, uh, a systematic review, which is under review at present, has shown that the most common injuries we see are lower back injuries, um, cervical injuries, left wrist and right-handed golfer, 
injuries. And there's some great papers that BGSM have published looking at wrists and hips with uh, Doug Campbell and Damian Griffin and people like that. And then the fourth thing is just obviously giving uh, people and supporting our athletes from an anti-doping perspective. We're really proud that there's not been any positive tests on the European Tour for 10 years. And I know that our colleague Michelle Verokin, the anti-doping advisor, um, has worked really hard in educational efforts along with Roger Hawks on that. So essentially, I'm just continuing to work and look to evolve that. It's fantastic working with a great team and it's a brilliant sport to work in. Honestly, it's just, it's great to see, you know, how people actually put up with the travel, the demands of the sport, the pressure that comes with it. Because I guess in a team-based sport, then there are teammates around you. And the golfer does have a team, so it's not just them. It's their, it's the golfer, it's their their long game coach, their short game coach. Usually they may have a psychology, a psychologist, physio, strength and conditioning, nutrition, sports medicine, etc. Some of the guys will have individual people that will go around and tour with them. The majority of the people use tour services and our job really is to just work with them and their team to, <laughs> to help them towards their goals. So that's pretty much what we're up to. But again, Roger's still involved. Roger's still an advisor to the tour and is also taking on some exciting projects with the European uh, Disabled Golf Association, looking to see whether golf might be suitable for inclusion in the Paralympics looking to make golf more inclusive and just working other uh, work, uh, other ways that we think we can contribute to priority areas within golf and health. Andrew, thanks thanks for your time um, and expertise. As, as we've mentioned throughout the podcast, we'll pop all the links in the blurb. Uh, make sure they go out via the normal BGSM social media channels on uh, Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Um, Andrew, hopefully we'll be hearing from you in a year's time. Um, but otherwise, thank you very much for listening to this BGSM podcast. And I hope you have a great physically active day.